Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. I hope that you have all fared well through this storm. I hope that uh, either you're digging yourselves out from shoveling and or just taking a relaxful Easter weekend. And I know that the geese that moved in here a, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago they moved in, it was kind of weird that, you know... I, a week ago, these geese were floating happily by our motion cameras that are outside and setting them off, swimming in piles of puddles of water. And yes, earlier this week, we saw them hunkering down onto the mulch. And today, I see a little poke out of mulch that they're back up, enjoying the nice sun. But oh, what an April snow we've got. And how fitting. I find a poem called April Snow. Please listen. Where did this snow come from? Late April is no time to feel this cold. We had temperatures in the 80s last week. I guess my gardening is put on hold. I heard that there may be cold weather. And I could not believe my ears that some snow may be coming with it that left me practically in tears. The flakes started falling in the mid-morning, and some flakes were fairly big. I saw the snow was not sticking. There was no snow that covered tree twigs. And now at night I worry, will there be more snow for people to see? With all the plans for outside activities, will some of the time be frost-free? I'm not really complaining about Mother Nature. She has played jokes in our region before. But I'd like to ask if she could give us some more sunshine, because that's the weather we truly adore. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal, and it is a sunny morning indeed. It's kind of nice to wake up to the sun after what we've had this week. And like I said, I hope you're all doing well and safe. And what do you do normally? I know it's totally opposite of what we had last year for gardening. And it's kind of, uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of blessed when I come into the garden center and I see all the greenery and the flowers, the early show of blooms that are happening. But yes, it will come. Uh, I've been enjoying a lot of the photos that are being sent to me. Some of even some beautiful cherry blossoms from down south in Virginia is just gorgeous. It gives us a sneak peek into what we're going to be doing. And it might be a good weekend to visit to the garden centers and see in your location what's happening. And it will inspire you because truly it inspires us every day. But what can you do on a snowy day in April when we're normally thinking that we want to be in our garden? There is a task list And I don't know if it's a task, but it's probably a job of enjoyment that we like to do. Already, there's things that we can do. If you can get to your garden shed, cleaning up your tools is probably a really good thing to do. I know that at the late fall, if you didn't have a chance to do it, because these are the tools that we look after, that we need to do our jobs well. So it's pulling them out. 
Yes, if you have to shovel to the garden shed to get into them, we do this. It's cleaning off last year's dirt. I remember uh, mom and dad always cleaning their shovels and making sure that everything was nice and clean and that they're actually even putting it into sand and actually rubbing it down and sharpening things up, getting a little bit of dish soap on there, maybe a little bit of bleach, and yes, even a little bit of an oil, whether you're using a vegetable oil or some type of uh, application that you're in there. And I know, I love my, yeah, I'm a, a Felco pruner girl myself, so I'm getting out the Felco pruners and taking away the gummy residue that, yes, if it's on there, it just makes them slide and glide a little bit easier that's on it because we know that we get a buildup on our scissors, our pruners, our secateurs. So pull them out. And if we take care of our tools, it will make our tasks so much easier to do. And if it sometimes inspires you to put a little bit of a, a new fresh coat of paint on some of them, to identify them, make them fun. If they have old weathered handles, yes, that patina is well, well worn. I guess it's something that you say that if the handle has some age to it, it shows the years that are in there. But in some cases too, you might want to give it a little splash of color just to sort of see what it's all about. Give it some attitude to your tools as well. Now, after you cleaned up all your tools, yes, more tasks to do? For sure there are. We've been talking about it before. It's tropical plant season where we see active growth on a lot of our house plants because our, our light levels are climbing high. It's time to rejuvenate them before they actively get growing and going for the season. Do they need to be bumped up? Check it out. Check the roots on it too. Check the top surface. If they're binding across the top, that's a clear indicator. If you have roots poking through the drainage holes below, that is another indicator. Or maybe it's just outfitted its size of a pot and it needs to be something refreshed. Now, if you've, uh, the number one question we have that's at the garden center when you buy a plant is when do I plant it? What's the time frame that we need to do it? Will it last longer in this size pot? And how long can it stay in this pot that I just bought it from? So if that is the scenario that's for you, usually I like to say, take the plant home, let it adjust to your home first before you do any uh, transplanting or pruning or anything like that, because it has to adjust. It's going from the garden center that you go to, to something that is in your environment. So that's a one adjustment, right? Right there. It's adjustment to be had and we have to wait for that. The next thing is what size pot? The next size pot is maybe an inch or two. That would do it. But let's wait and see. Let it adjust. Give it about a month or so. And then you can pick out the beautiful pot that you want. Preferably one with drainage holes for optimal growth. And you will see that your new plant will just take off and give you beautiful greenery. And if it's a flowering house plant, flowers too. And there's some things that will be enjoying time with family and friends, or maybe you're still thinking about that garden and that gardening that is going to be happening pretty soon. Yes, all of the snow will go, but in essence, the ground is going to love it. It's going to put moisture back into the ground for a lot of our mature trees and shrubs. It's a much needed, and it's going to be a nice slow 
thaw so that everything goes through it. Yes, we have to put up with a nice slow thaw so that we don't encumber something else or have something else that's affecting us that's there. But as we're talking about watering, yeah, it's water. It's going to melt. But we were talking about our tropical plants. And there's a couple more things that I would like to mention about your tropical plants right now that even at that point when they're in active growth, it is now the time that you should be fertilizing and giving them that energy, that feed that they want. Because A, uh, most tropical plants, when you are buying them fresh, come with a soil that may be not uh, mineral-based. It will maybe be peat-based. So there is some aspect where you want to feed that plant because there's no mineral source in that soil. And the rationale for not using heavy garden soils is a lot of these tropical plants have nice hummusy in nature. They take up the leaf droppings that are there that create this hummusy base in the forest. So it's not a heavy soil that they use that's on it. So you want to supplement the moisture and you want to supplement the food in essence by fertilizing them and giving them that necessary means for them to be lush, green and if it's promoting, it's promoting them to grow strong. So 2020 fertilizer, which is general all across the board, you're going to go, what's 2020? Well, that's your MPK ratio that is perfect for growing tropical plants. And just remember, rain and water too means get out some hose, maybe put it in the tub, maybe get the shower head out and give it a nice wash off. But remember, put a bag around the soil so that the soil does not go down the drain. All right, we have a caller on the line. Good morning, Martha. Hello, uh, Carla. Yes, hi, good morning. How can we help you on the Lawn Garden Journal? I have, I'm not sure if it's aloe vera, but it's like a, a, a plant that's to mean, which is to heal sores. Yes. And um, I have this one plant that seems to make... Two, I already have ex, two extra plants in the in the pot. Yes. Then is it okay to get uh, other other pots to bring put the small pl- plants in there? Yeah, actually, um, you can with the aloe vera, and the aloe vera family is huge. There are so many different species of aloe. So if you have the medicinal type of one that's in there, they sometimes create um, the mother plant, but then you'll get these little offsets or what they are like little, we call them pups, that come off the side that are the beginnings of new plants. Are they very small or are they a little bit bigger? They start up as small things. And then they gradually grow up just like the mother plant has. Yeah. Well, if if they're uh, mature enough that's on it, you know, uh, three inches bigger or that is usually the size that I like to do my little divisions that are on there. If you're doing that, you can gently lift up from the soil, uh, separate it, because sometimes, on, and work with your soil when it has some slight moisture into it. I find that uh, when the soil, when you're even doing your transplanting of seedlings and mature plants, if you work with the soil when it's damp, you can easily pull those pups aside and you can put them into um, a new container. Now, I would put it in a fairly smaller container 
uh, to begin with because the roots are not going to be very extensive. So you want to go into a smaller size pot so that it adapts to that condition in that area first for a little bit of a time frame, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm even surprised this pot has tipped tipped a few times. Oh. And I, I've, I've put the stuff back in, and it still has worked this way. Mm. Well, you know what? With the aloe vera, it's yeah. It you know what? It happens because aloe vera plants they are top heavy. It's like cactus too. Like they have shallow <laughs> they have shallow roots where you don't need this huge pot. But what you do need. Uh, if you do transplant it, then if you're going to put your mother plant back into that size pot, or maybe it's opportunity, Martha, that you can go up a size in the pot, maybe an inch or two, but a little hint with cactus and with um, sometimes with the aloe, if it's tipping the pot over, maybe get a pot that's slightly deeper and put some uh, river stone or some rock or something that's heavy on the bottom of it so that it holds the pot from tipping over. That might help you. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, enjoy the day, and thank you for calling in. Thank you. Okay. Happy okay. Easter. Good day. Okay. Bye-bye. We see this, too, as um, there is a lot of division. So when you're do- looking at tropical plants, this is the time, too, when you have active growth. This is also, too, where you have new uh, sprouts starting. This is also the time, too, where if you're doing active growth, let's say we have these big, humongous tropical plants. Maybe it's a fiddle leaf fig that's gently reaching to the ceiling and you're wondering, it cannot possibly grow higher than this eight-foot ceiling I have. So what do you do? A lot of people, will it will canopy or start leaning. What you can do is you can cut the top leader of them off if you're wanting to do that. It takes a fair bit of time before the new growth will emerge on sort of the distance down below. Uh, we see this in other varieties like the Dracaena family, so you can do this. Um, you can actually take the tip cut, remove some of the, the lower leaves if you've cut a larger piece of it, and stick it back in the soil and see if it roots and have it root. Now, rooting may take a fair bit of time, so you want to give it time, allow the soil to dry in between those waterings and see what happens. The difference too is a lot of tropical plants that have that lead growth that goes up and then diverges into, uh, it's almost like corn plants that keep growing up and up and up and up. You can tip cut them. Now, what about a leafy one like your ficus, benjamina, like a fig tree? These you can treat just like normal trees that we treat outside and generally if I was going to do a fig tree that's on there is I rule of thumb I can prune it back up to one third off of the outer edge so this is the time that you want to do that too before it has that active growth so that the energy from that active growth goes back down further breaks open more leaf structures will then will develop into further branching and you actually end up with a thicker lusher tree for the inside of your house it reminds me of the one that we have here we have a fiddle leaf fig in the middle of our uh, tropical house and it's probably reaching the age of almost 30 years old now you say how can you have a tree that's 30 years old living indoors 
And, believe it or not, the size of the pot is not huge. It's probably a 36 or maybe a 40 inch wide pot. And it's slowly graduated up into that. And you don't think that there's sustainability of that tree to last that long in that pot. But, every couple of years, our landscapers help us lay this tree down that goes 15, 20 feet up. And it straddles the roof and goes out creating this beautiful forest but we do have to train it and bring it back in every now and then we trim it we give it a hard pruning on it and up it goes and it it flushes out with new new leaves and it just gives us a glorious show and yes it can stay in that size pot because a it gets the moisture that it needs b it gets the fertilizer it gives us 20 20 20 and it's given the amount of light that it needs to grow and sustain itself So, yes, tropical plants don't need a huge pot. If you think that the canopy up top is huge and it needs a massive pot, it doesn't. It just needs the moisture and the food to grow. There's another little tip and care. And we, too, lay it down and we, too, every now and then, wash off its leaves because the dust that's on some of your leaves needs to come off, whether you want to put it into the shower, rinse it off, or give it a little bit of a mist with a little bit of a soft rag and sort of clean them off. I know the rubber rubber plants, the burgundy beautiful rubber plants, how beautiful the leaves look when they're nicely cleaned off. They look gorgeous. Now, you're saying, what else can I do? Well, if you want to give me a call, the lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. I know that we're not out in our gardens in about But you can definitely assess and take a look at what's happening out there. I know that some people have reported and called in this week too as well, saying some areas of my tulips and my narcissus and some of my little hyacinths have been poking their way through. What do I do? Nature itself will care after nature. They will slow them down. If you saw those little green heads poking through the ground saying it's spring and now it's a little delayed, it is delayed. But the coolness of that snow that we have and the coolness and the moisture that's in there will slow them down. It's like putting them back in the fridge and giving them a little bit of a rest before they burst out in energy and give us their grand show. So, patience, they will come. Yes, there's snow on the ground. Our thoughts are not quite yet there on gardening outdoors. But there is that itch to get your hands in the soil. Have you started your seeds? Let's see if anyone has started seeding. The lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. Because in the closet, there may be a few garden bulbs that you've overwintered. And you might have that aha moment where you have to go and look at them. Because they're sprouting and need to go into the soil. We're going to go right to the lines. Marianne is here. Hi, Marianne. Hi, how are you? I'm well. And, you know, I forgot to ask Martha where she was calling from. Where are you calling from? New Bothwell. New Bothwell. I know exactly where you are. Good morning, New Bothwell. Good morning. How can we help you at the Lawn and Garden Journal? I have some questions about hibiscus. Okay. I have a hibiscus, um, I, I would call it, I guess it's like a small bush, kind of. It's not a tree. <laughs> Okay. But um, I've been cutting it back, but it, it just kind of looks 
a little wonky, and I'm wondering what is the best time of year to cut it back. It has buds all over it and stuff like that, so I'm kind of wondering if fall would be a better time to really cut it back and try and shape it again. Okay. Um, You're kind of correct that's on there because at different times, if you want to put it into... Uh, there's sort of two trains of thought, and we see this also when we're dealing with our shrubs uh, outdoors. A lot of times we will have shrubs that we can do our fall cleanup and trim it up, which is an option for your hibiscus next year. And the other option is doing it in the spring. Like when when was the last time you trimmed it? I believe it was in the fall. Well, in the fall. Maybe not. I'm not sure if I did trim it last fall, but I I usually trim it back in the fall. Okay. Well, trimming it back in the fall is not a bad thing because, A, you know that you're going to be bringing it indoors. And sometimes I've seen some hibiscus that are glorious in the summer and they're like five feet around. And when you bring it indoors, we know that... uh, if it's gone from outdoors to indoors, there is this sort of cultural shock that it goes from, an, you know, uh, being lush outside to indoor conditions, which are sometimes harsher on, what I say, flowering tropicals versus just, um, you know, like tropical foliage plants. Mm-hmm. You see sometimes um, defoliation and less leaves on them. They get a little bit more woody and little sporadic on the leaves. Would I say that's correct? Do you, have a lot of, um, do you have a lot of leaves on it, or is it... I do have a lot of leaves on it. Last year, I actually did not take it outside because I was getting so annoyed with every time I brought it back in. I had to uh, spend a couple months trying to make sure that it was free of aphids. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can do a pruning, but if you want to do a pruning even in the spring, I know that... Um, it's sac- you're sacrificing if there's buds to blossoms that are on there that's going to occur sometimes because right now with the increased light, you'll probably see that you're going to get more leaves and more branching that's in there. So sometimes a little spring shapening is also warranted to go through on it because it, you know that it's just entering in its stage where it's going to be uh, performing and giving more leaf structure, which more leaf, more branches, more flowers. So there is an option if you wanted to increase on the density of the foliage on the top. You could do a light pinching as well now as well as in the fall. Okay. Okay. And with its inactive growth, and if you're getting it to bloom indoors, then you've got a perfect location because I know some people that have had hibiscus where they've taken it indoors sometimes have uh, sporadic blooming or they can't get it to bloom. So you're telling me you got a little bit of a green thumb there, girl. Okay. Well, thank okay. you. Okay. I haven't. Um, I was also wondering, like the the parts that I cut off, can yep. those be rooted? I know yep. that a friend of mine would like some. <laughs> yes, you can. So normally in the fall, if you do that, the best time to do uh, pinching and for cut sets is probably now, and you okay. would take it off of the soft what we call softwood or the soft growth, which is the new growth that's on there. So okay. if you do that, though, make sure that the the clipping or the cutting is long enough that it supports a couple leaf nodes that you can remove the lower leaves just above okay. the cut mark. 
and mm-hmm. those would be uh, nodes for rooting. So you can probably, okay. um, if you have some rooting hormone that's on there, mm-hmm. rooting powder or liquid or powder form, uh, do okay. your cut and put the hormone right away and then put it into uh, soil. Okay? Okay. And right. do, sorry, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Um, do hibiscus need a lot of uh, airflow between the leaves? Like, is there, uh, like, any cautionary um, pruning that I need to, to know that don't don't make it too full? Well, in it, in it, in itself, the hibiscus will be, um, the only thing that I would say is you can't make it not too full because in nature, you know, uh, in down in Hawaii, I've never seen them down there, but I've seen pictures from uh, customers, of my, customers of mine that have shown me hedgings and miles of hibiscus wow. uh, hedging that's in there. So I don't think you can uh, be scared of the density of the thickness if you have good air movement that's in there. And air okay. movement, air movement on any plant is a bonus that's on it. And just think, even on, um, just by walking by it, you create a current of air because it's a motion that you're displacing that's on it. Okay. The, All right. Yeah. If I gave you a recommendation on your pruning, though, it would be to make sure that if you have any branches that are uh, crossing each other or rubbing or touching on each other, that you know, if you have motion that's in there, sometimes uh, branches outdoors, especially if it's outdoors with the wind, it could cause the cambium or the outer bark to open, which leads to bugs and disease entering in. So, right. you know, and sometimes okay. aest- aesthetically, just look at it and see if you like the way that you're pruning it. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, you're Have a wonderful welcome. day. Yeah. Happy Easter. Have a Thank good weekend. Thank you. You as well. Okay. Bye-bye. There's so much to learn about gardening and talking because a lot of the applications from indoors is also used outdoors so let's just go right back to lines we have another caller hi good morning charlene good morning yeah morning where are you calling from manitou manitou i know where you are too i know i'm that's good we're Uh, not about 25 miles west of morden everybody knows where morden is yes and we know where manitou as well good morning how can yeah. we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Well, I've been trying to get grass to grow where I took out a big old evergreen, and I've put stuff on it a couple of years and reseeded and reseeded, and grass will start, but then it'll just die off again. So I'm wondering what could I plant there? What kind of a, could I make a flower garden? What kind of flowers would grow there? Okay. The, the reason why your grass is not growing is because, how old was the evergreen? Oh, years and years. It was old. Oh, yeah. It takes a fair bit of correcting the soil to, in order to uh, grow grass seed on top of it. Because of the acidic content of your soil that's there is what I'm suspecting. Um, scraping out some of the soils even that's in there. Uh, you can, if you really wanted lawn, you could probably do an application of dolomite lime, which will help to neutralize. But yes, I l- I've done that twice. Okay. And so, I've put on new, took the old soil out and put new soil in, but it's just the evergreen has been there so long. Okay. I was just going to say, I love your idea of making a, a garden there. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I thought of that at first, and then I thought, why would I want something else to mow around? Yes, yeah, I agree. Now, is it in a shady location in that area, or is it a sunny location? It's right out front. No, not, well, not very much shade. So if it's in that area, then uh, are you going to thinking about using it as a, a raised bed or a garden that's sort of just slightly raised? Are you going to create it into a raised garden bed? Um, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, so you could you could slightly raise it up if you're wanting to do a beautiful little stone wall around it or a little bit of a rock wall around it. You could supplement that, and then that way you're raising new soil level onto it because it would take a fair bit of time for your roots of your other plants to go further down below. And based on the scale of what your um, the size of the area is, you could incorporate small uh, hedging or, or not hedging, small shrubs in there. You can even incorporate some perennials. And when you're doing some things like that, it's always nice to what I call planting pockets where you can incorporate uh, little pockets for annuals for that instant pop of color because we know that perennials, they're beautiful, but they don't continue with the intensity of annuals throughout, you know, from start to finish. They well, do, would, would something like, like bulbs grow there? Yes. Yeah, like, you, can do, you can do bulbs. You could do daylilies would do well there. Sedums oh, would. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, if it's a sunny location, if you want to partner with what you're looking for, um, even some hostas that just love the sun would give you some texture in there. The old, good old uh, Francie or Minuteman will take some sun that's in there. So and they'll uh, tolerate the acidic soil? Yes, they will uh, tolerate the acidic soil. Uh, oh. Hostas love it. And if you, uh, you know what, I'm just thinking if you want, you could even put some hydrangeas. I know one hydrangea called strawberry vanilla. You've you might have heard me mention it once, twice, or maybe a hundred times already. But it is a hydrangea that grows about five feet tall. And it starts off as a pure white. And then it transitions to a pink and then a deep, deep pink. It's, um, it's yeah, almost that's like those... Yeah, that's what I was thinking of was a hydrangea. Yeah. yeah, you could do a hydrangea because hydrangeas love that acidic content. Oh, so, good. There we to, go. Yeah, depending on the answer I wanted. Okay. Oh well, there you go. And depending on the way that the sun casts around, uh, maybe there is an opportunity where that you can then do uh, different types of things that are in there and create shade from the hydrangea to give you some even some part shade loving plants. Well, it's pretty sunny there. It's pretty sunny. Yeah. Well, I would do hydrangeas in there. You could do daylilies in there uh, if it's truly sunny. Sedum Autumn Joy will give you a beautiful, uh, or Autumn Charm is a newer variety that's in there. So yeah. They would give you some some color, too, at different times. Well, I'll certainly try Hydrangea because I, I love the Snowball one. Yeah. I you have just, one of those. Yeah. Just remember, though, if you put it into a sunnier location, you will need to water it a little bit stronger because Hydrangeas, Hydra, they like oh, to yeah. moist. They like moisture, but they like also good drainage. So if you do it in a raised bed, you'll have it. The drainage will be perfect for it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Enjoy the day and happy Easter. 
there we're going from indoors to outdoors it's kind of exciting to start thinking about our trees and our shrubs outdoors as well now we were talking about our bulbs that are there and i'm giving you a reminder did you store some bulbs are there bulbs tucked away in the closet because you might have to take them out of the bag or open up that that cool peat moss to see if they are growing if they're growing let's get them growing indoors so that they're ready to grow for when we have a later planting season yes it is going to be a slightly later planting season because a hopefully it is a little bit slower thaw so we have no um, other compounded issues like flooding because we have to think of all our neighbors outside of all this to see how much snow that we've had and if you've started some of your seeds early and you find that they are doing a little bit more growth than what you're wanting I'm going to give you a couple tips because yes we're slowing things down here at the garden center too we're doing the reverse we're not heating as much we're starting to cool things down slightly to prevent the stretching of a lot of the plants you might also even do a little bit of pinching yes your your seedlings that you have if they've gone beyond the the first leaf we know is not the first leaf that's the emergent leaf or the cotyledon stage but once you get active growth in the true leaves that the plant belongs to you can do a little bit of pinching to slow it down the pinching creates an area where if I slow that lead growth it creates more branching and in essence you're gonna have a bigger thicker bushier plant which is a win-win because we want more flowers correct you can cool it down you can delay your transplanting and increase your light levels drop your lighting onto your seedlings so that they get a little bit uh, better light and it'll shorten up those notes let's go right back to lines Doug is waiting hi Doug oh hi there hi how are you not too bad very good and where are you calling from this morning Uh, I'm calling from uh, Winnipeg from Winnipeg yeah it's a sunny Winnipeg morning isn't it uh, sorry? It's sunny here. Oh, uh, yeah, it's pretty sunny here. It's cold, though. Crazy weather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We wish it was all gone, but we'll have to just take it for a little bit longer, I think. Yeah, I can't do much about it. Not at all. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn Garden Journal? Um, I was just wondering, I don't know the official name, but I have a plant, uh, Mother of Thousands. Mother of Thousands? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, my daughter gave it to me, it's, it's a, so it's kind of special, but yeah, it's got, um, it's a succulent, and then it's got all these, uh, around the leaves, it's got, uh, a little, little ones that fall off, and they just keep growing again in the, in the soil. Yes, it's, it's kind of got, um, if we could describe it, because it's, it's a succulent, and most people are going, what is a mother of thousands? They're kind of, cool. they look like they have little beads on the outer that's right. On the outer leaf sets, right? It's right, kind of, right. It's kind of fun. It's kind of funky that's on it. Um, it belongs actually in the, I think it belongs, if I remember correctly, I think it belongs in the Calancho family or oh, yes. Calanchoe, tomato, tomato family. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I have one, and um, like I say, it's pretty special because my daughter gave it to me for Christmas. It's about three feet tall now. And uh, the leaves, though, have all turned brown all the way up. And uh, I have a couple other ones, too, that are about 30 inches. 
from the daughters of, of, of this one. And uh, the bottom leaves are turning brown as well. And now I noticed that though it's all bare up to the top, uh, there's little ones coming out now on it, uh, just coming out on the stem. But I'm wondering why it has uh, it, all the bottom leaves have turned brown. Okay. So, and how old is the plant? It's probably uh, three, four years old. Three, four years old. Okay. So there's a couple things you want to look at is A, browning could be caused by uh, overwatering or underwatering. Okay. And the other thing that um, the Kalanchoe could be, uh, check and see, because sometimes they're prone to a scale, which is a bug. So is it bumpy or is it uh, brown spots in big in the flesh or is it bumpy where it kind of has a, a texture to it? Oh, sorry. Can you explain that again? Sorry. Well, the, uh, Kalanchoe could be a fungal disease that's on there if it's there. So it's brown. So it's kind of uh, brown patches that sort of bleed in together. Or if it's browning that has a texture and it's bumpy all on the undersides. Oh, um, I don't really know. It's just the leaves are turning brown. Okay. Um, not not the actual stem. Yeah. Uh, let me just see on that. Yeah, they're just kind of drying up. Yeah, I would check your watering. Check your watering on it to see how how much moisture that you're giving it in between because succulents they like to be moist and then let go slightly dry between waters. They're not like cactus where they like to go for extended periods of time. And if you could, Doug, uh, if you could send a picture to the Lawn and Garden Journal at goldenwest.ca and um, maybe a little bit of a photo shot to it, we could take a look at it and probably better diagnose it for you. Oh, good. That would be great. So it's the Lawn and Garden Journal at what? goldenwest.ca. Goldenwest.ca. Okay, I will do that. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Lawn Garden Journal. I wish you all a very merry, happy Easter. We'll be back again next week on the Lawn Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.